You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou... Would you please join me for a word? Gracious Lord Jesus, this is the third week we have been confronted with these your words and our final week with them before we continue on in this sermon. We who struggle with anger from the first moment as a child, someone tells us we can't have what we want. We ask you to provide your spirit to enlighten us. Help us not only to understand your words correctly, but to embrace them fully. So that we may not only say we believe you, but believe you enough to walk as you have commanded. This we ask in your most holy name, which is forever Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, as I said, this is our third and final week that you said a word to probably all black us. Let's go through this one more time. But we spent some time focusing. We first heard from Jesus on the nature of anger as a psychological phenomenon. We explored that more deeply. And then we explored what anger does to the community and its social dimension. And Jesus has laid out some things that he absolutely prescribes. Much like the Ten Commandments say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Jesus is telling us what not to do, some good ways to not handle anger. But as Dallas Willard pointed out in his commentary, a good plan for how not to get to Los Angeles or how not to get to Nashville is not a good plan on how to get to New York. So now Jesus is going to lay out for us the positive case, the way we are supposed to deal with anger when it arises. And he does this by using a metaphor, an illustration, I should say, it's not really a metaphor, an illustration that would have been the common experience of all those who were hearing him going to the temple to offer sacrifice. Now the first thing to remember that Jesus is doing here is this is an illustration, like throughout the rest of the sermon. He's not laying down a new law for us, not saying, this is the way. From now on, if you know someone's angry with you, don't literally go to work. Because, which of us would ever make it to work? But he is pointing out to us the way it ought to burden our hearts when there is anger in the community. Teaching us by illustration. So let's let's start by digging into this illustration a little bit. Imagine a situation that's one of the highest holy obligations in your life today. Because we need to make this contemporary. None of us have been to sacrifice in the temple recently, have we? 
No. So we need a little, we need a little connection here. Imagine going to some event that has a kind of sacred quality to it, even if it's not an explicitly religious event. One of those big moments in life that even people who are irreligious surround with some sense of propriety and ceremony. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's going to a friend's uh, bar mitzvah or their child's baptism. Maybe it's going to your own child's wedding and you're giving away the bride. Maybe it's something like when we swear in the President of the United States, which is surrounded by all kinds of ceremony and pomp and circumstance. And in the middle of that occasion, the father of the bride says, Wait a minute! I just realized my brother's angry with me. I'll be right back. or the president to be sworn in, or the justice swearing them in, doing the same thing. Jesus is pointing out a picture for us of how important dealing with anger in the community is. So important that it's going to supersede other things that we generally consider of importance. Because you were allowed to interrupt a religious ritual in the temple only for something that was more important. And this is the picture Jesus is painting for the people here. So, when are we to interrupt? Why are we to interrupt? What is the purpose of our interrupting us? And our own things that we find most meaningful in life. Well, Jesus is doing two things here. First of all, he's putting a stake through the heart of ritualistic religion. Now, Jesus is not getting rid of religious rituals. That's important. That's important to note. Jesus will, in fact, command people whom he heals to offer the sacrifices required by mercy. And, in fact, getting rid of religious ritual is impossible. Every religious community that meets this day, all Christians everywhere, from a fundamentalist who would never see the tree, touch it with a ten-foot pole, to my orthodox friends, who have so much ritual that they don't even understand. Every religious community has rituals. They know what to expect when they come to church on Sunday. Lutherans typically expect to sit in the same seat they sat in last week. <laughs> but the pastor is never surprised at what happens in worship. The pastor is never surprised when the musician is going to play and when they're not. And if he gets surprised, he and the musician, or she and the musician, have words on Monday morning. <laughs> ritual is important as part of how we do life. You have a morning ritual when you get up. And you pour your coffee first before you talk to your wife, or you kiss your wife first and then go pour your coffee. Whatever it is, we all have rituals that define our life. Jesus is not trying to get rid of religious rituals. In fact, they were an important part of his own version. No, Jesus is getting rid of this ritualistic religion. Religion where only the form matters, and as long as we observe the niceties, everything else is okay. And Jesus is pointing out that there may be something more important than this ritual is actually doing the same thing that hundreds of years of prophets did before him. Holding up the disposition of heart with which we enact those rituals is more important to God than the rituals themselves, even the rituals that God commanded. And our reading from Amos today, why does God despise the feasts of the people? 
and their sacrifices because justice is not flowing like water and righteousness like an ever-running stream in the midst of people. And Amos is in a woman. Isaiah, often called the fifth gospel, it's so important to Christians, begins like this. The prophet says this. He says, what to me is the multitude of sacrifices, says the Lord. I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. It's not enough to enact the ritual of devotion to God. Those rituals are intended to get shaped to our hearts. And it is our hearts that are important to God because there's never been a commandment that can enforce good behavior. The entire Old Testament is a testimony to that, folks. Paul says this, If the law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But it's from our heart that our actions And while the law can prescribe lots of ways to do things not to do, can tell us how not to get to L.A. and not to get to Nashville. It can't tell us how to get to New York. It can't tell us how to live as God's people. God wants our hearts. And if the law can't transform us, our relationship with Jesus Christ can. And that's what God has been calling us into from the very beginning of this sermon. So what is a transformed heart? What is a kingdom heart to look like? That's what Jesus is painting a picture of for us in this example he gives. What state of mind? What disposition of heart? What habits mentally and physically does a person who would regularly break their act of worship or any other important thing, skip an important meeting at work because they know that there's a conflict to be resolved with a brother or sister. What kind of heart does that person have? What do they read? How do they think? How do they pray? When we know the answer to that, we're beginning to know the answer to what a human heart looks like. That heart gives rise to actions which are a testimony to the faith that lives within it, the trust it has, not just in the salvation God can give, but in the directions for living that God has given. Ever since I started the youth ministry, I followed the, um, which was 96, I followed the career of a guy named Toby Mack. I used to sing with a group called DC Talk. And one of our favorite albums we used to listen to in my youth group back in 96. Um, they, they sampled a preacher and they stuck it in the middle of the song or at the end of the song. And the preacher is talking and he says, people look, 
people look at the church and what they see so too often are people who proclaim Jesus with their lips but then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world finds simply unbelievable. There aren't many artists in pop music who have a three-decade career. But Toby Mac is one of them. And uh, we took our YouTube to see the two songs in there. About a year ago, he released a new album. I took my own kids to see a concert at his regional here. And in his new album, which is wonderful, one of his strongest albums in the year, uh, he, there was one song that particularly jumped out at me. And it's a song he wrote with a guy named Aaron Cole. Aaron Cole is a young artist, a young African-American artist. And Toby Mack, throughout his three decades of uh, ministry, has committed himself to reconciliation of the races. First of all, because he's involved in hip-hop music, which is typically an African-American thing, but also because it registers with him that even with all the progress we've made in race relations, the hour of worship on Sunday mornings is still typically the most segregated hour of the week. And so he's given a lot of energy and thought to this. Well, he and this young uh, African-American man composed a song together. Each of them talking about the baggage they bring to the table when they want to deal with something like racial reconciliation. And they got a hold of the truth that's at the center of this gospel reading that Jesus gave us today. Did you notice when Jesus says, when Jesus begins the example and talks about you're going to worship and you remember that your brother has something against you. Do you know what he's saying there? It's not that you're angry. We're not striving for some sort of Buddha-like sense of inner peace here. He's not, you're not, he's not here about getting your anger off. When you know that someone else is angry with you, that's when you go and try to fix things as a Christian. Now, as we'll make clear in chapter 18, we can't be in control of whether the situation gets resolved. But it is up to us to take the initiative. When we know that there's fractures in the human community, whether at the level of big national things that we're dealing with, the level of our churches and our families, and we know that our brother and sister is burdened by anger. It's a burden. Remember last week when we talked about Cain and Abel? And wisdom says that when Cain murders Abel, it's Cain who perishes. When we know that our brother or sister is so burdened by anger, it's, we, out of love for them, we want to go and help resolve that. So the initiative is always as a disciple of Jesus Christ, rests with us. It starts with us. It starts with you. And that's the name of the song that Toby Mack and Aaron Cole wrote together. There's a couple of younger people today. For those of us not in the music generation, one of the things that's become very popular is called a lyric video. And what that is, they're typically produced by amateurs using a home video equipment in their, their own computer in their dorm. Um, but you take a song you like and you put the lyrics up on the screen. Because if you're anything like me, I can always hum the melody long before I get the lyrics. If I ever get the lyrics. 
Seriously, until my 20s when I heard the Electric Light Orchestra song, Evil Woman, I just thought they were singing Iaula. <laughs> so, they put the lyrics on the screen so we can understand them. And um, today I want to share that video with you. And if you're watching online, you can't see the screen there when worship is over. You can look this up. It's by a group called the Excel Athletes.
What does a kingdom heart look like? To know that a brother or sister is burdened by anger, we take the initiative, always take the initiative, to fix what's broken. Because love can fix the arm wrestling and politics and struggles cannot. In our country, in our community, in our church, in our families. This is what Jesus is teaching us this day. Will you join me for a word? Gracious Lord, when we were lost to you through our own actions, our own rebellious and yesterday, you took the initiative to come and seek us. Grant us, O Lord, in our discipleship, halting and faltering as it is, that we should follow your example and seek out those with whom we need to be reconciled. Our brothers and sisters who are burdened by their anger. Lord, we can't control whether the situation gets fixed, but we can control whether we take the initiative you call us to take. Grant us the courage to live as you have called us to live even as we confess the ways we have failed and look with compassion upon all those around us who fail as well. Until finally we can by the grace be reconciled with each other. A sign of your kingdom which is to come where there will be no estrangement nor pain. These things we ask in the precious name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night Waking or sleeping, thy presence my life